0: In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Can I be honest with you? I don't necessarily like preaching occasions sermons. They become complicated sometimes because sometimes the Holy Spirit is moving with you in you, and it's not necessarily moving in that direction. And so I, after going to the men's ministry, this message was birthed out of not just Saturday's meeting, but the real emphasis came out of our meeting on Mondays. Monday we watched a a terrific uh, documentary about fathers and sons and, and their relationships and this is really birthed out, and I hope you don't mind me saying it. It was birthed from Brother uh, or Deacon Jerrell Thomas. Jerrell Thomas had a wonderful statement after the movie. And he talked about how every young man or young boy, ages four to 18, he has pretty much memorized their names. And when he sees them, he speaks to them by name. He's making an investment in the lives of young men, and and he's doing a great job. Amen, amen, amen. But it gets better, because he also began to share with us the graduate of our newest Morehouse man, Drill Thomas Jr. And he talked about that they had these stoles that were made. And they were customized. And so Drill decided to put on his people who had passed on. That he might be able to honor them and remember them. And he said, I believe his wife's parents were on one side. And on the other side... Your your mother, right? Right. His mother, but there was a fourth picture. It was a picture of someone who has impacted this young man's life so much that he allowed him, or or he put it his on his, he put a picture of him on his stole, and it was Deacon James Lee. And for those of you who don't know, Deacon James Lee has passed on. Deacon James Lee was a mentor of mentors. He was a man that believed in investing in young men. He believed in putting in the work. He didn't just talk about it. Deacon Lee would go to games. He would go to graduations. He would, I mean, just, just take care of it. I, he worked with me in teen council. He was all, as a matter of fact, there was a guy that told me the other day, he taught me how to shoot pool downstairs. But he believed in putting in the time. He believed in making an investment. And if I've heard anything in this men's movement and ministry from Deacon Allen, is that we need to invest in our boys. But understand this, it's not just the boys. We need to invest in our boys and our girls. Amen. And so I began to, to look in the Word of God, and in First Timothy, the fourth chapter, we see such an act taking place. In First Timothy, the fourth chapter, beginning at verse number 11, and it reads. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading and exhortation to doctrine, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of hands by the presbytery, presbyterian. Excuse me. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. From this text, I would like to preach from this thought. A man's investment. A man's investment. I know it's Father's Day. But as I mentioned before, is that every man has the opportunity to be a father to someone. It does not necessarily have to be biological. But it must be blood. It must be the blood of Jesus Christ that unites us and compels us. Understand that the relationship between Paul, who writes this to his son Timothy, in the ministry. Paul now is a seasoned preacher. He's coming up to the end of his ministry work. He's done everything that the Lord has told him to do. And we know that the Apostle Paul's ministry did not really start off on the right foot. There are a lot of bad things that the Apostle Paul had done And number one on the list is that he persecuted the church. It was Paul the one who held the coat as they stoned Stephen. But God moved in Paul. He dealt with Paul. And ultimately, he saved Paul. And from that day forward, Paul purposed in his heart that he was going to do everything that he could to bring glory to the name of the Lord. After persecuting the church, after running after Christians and killing them, Paul now is a runner of the gospel. But here's the interesting thing about Paul, and I wish that we would understand that as well, is that we're not going to always be here and we cannot always be in every place at every time, or at all times. What Paul realized is that he was going to need some help. And that in needing this help, he would have to make sure that they were trained well to do what they needed to do. And so Paul runs into this young disciple by the name of Timothy understand that that Timothy was a mixed breed because he had a Jewish mother but he had a Greek father. Timothy had not even been circumcised but yet Paul tells us in, in his writing, he said that the same faith that is in your grandmother, Eunice as well as Lois is in you. So what does that tell me about Paul? Paul? That tells me that Paul is observant. Paul is not just running through life and running through ministry work and not observing people. And so Paul observes his mother and his grandmother and he sees the same faith in Timothy that he sees in them. Which tells me that, 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 that Lois and, and Eunice played an important role in the spiritual upbringing of young Timothy. But understand women, that you can only take a boy so far and then you must release him to a man. But also understand you gotta release him to the right man. Far too many times we we, we release our children to this world and we never take care or, or, or take a consideration of what they're getting into. Just like Paul was watching Eunice and Lois, I believe they were watching Paul as well. Because they gave Timothy to Paul allowed him to follow Paul around. As a matter of fact, in the 16th chapter of Acts, you'll see that. That he began to follow behind Paul and and Silas. He followed them. He learned from them. Paul took him under his wings. And he taught him. Now, understand that there's no blood relationship here. Timothy is not Paul's biological son. But you'll see in Scripture that he refers to him as his true son, as his beloved son. As a matter of fact, Paul loved him so much as if he was his own son. But yet he was his son in the ministry. likewise fathers there are some young men out here there are some young women out here that we need to make an investment in the reality of it is, is that all of us have something that we can give to our young people it's more, it's more than just, just saying I love you it's more than just you know, uh, you're throwing some money behind a program but it's sharing your time, sharing your commitment with them. And so Paul instructs this young protege of his, Timothy. He instructs him in four ways in this text. The first thing that he encourages him to do is to embrace his identity. He says, Let no one despise your youth. In other words, Timothy, you're valuable just like you are. And just because you may be young, don't let nobody make a fool out of you. It's our job as fathers to let our children know that you have value in this world. There's far too many. Children of that are running around here with low self-esteem and have no value. But it's our job as fathers to esteem them. It's our job to let them know you are valuable to me. And listen here, the best way you can let them know that they're valuable to you is that you give up some money for them. Take that day off from work and go and go to their program and see how they're doing. It's important to let them know how valuable they are. We, we, we seem to disregard our young people. We, say we, we seem to just cast them away. Whatever what happened to good old home training, training our children, teaching them a work ethic. If there was one thing that I heard yesterday was that, that my dad taught me how to go to work. Taught me a good work ethic, how to take care of my family. This is is our responsibility as men, as fathers. And it goes beyond your own home. Listen, let let, let me tell you this. One of the most rewarding jobs that I had in my entire career was working with some boys at St. Jude Home for Boys. I love this job because it gave me the opportunity to invest in young men that were not along my bloodline. As a matter of fact, I was doing a funeral one time and I had eulogized this individual. And there was a young man that came walking up the aisle and said, Mr. Miner," And when I seen him, I knew exactly who he was. And he just came and thanked me for being there for him. And I embraced him and I loved him. Because that's what we're to do as men. That's how we're to conduct ourselves as men. Let them know that they're important, that they have some value in their lives. And then Paul tells them that you're to set an example In the 12th verse, B clause of it, he says, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Now understand that Paul cannot tell Timothy to be an example if he's not a good example himself. Men, men, you got to live a life before them before you can preach a life to them. You, you, You got to walk in faith before you can tell them to trust God you got to be a demonstration. you got to be an example to them. Let them see God in your life. Far too many times we want to preach to folk and tell folk that, you know, what they need to do and give them all these rules to obey. But yet we ain't obeying them ourselves. But here he tells them to be an example in the word of God. In other words, you need need to make sure that you understand and learn the word of God. And then then, then you're to be an example in how you live your life. We've been talking about that here since since I I came on board. It's about our Christian conduct. What does our conduct look like? What what will be said about you? you? How are you living your life? What is your conversation like? What kind of seeds are you sowing? Because understand the fact that you're going to reap what you sow. So he said that you're going to have a good conduct. That you need, to, you need to be loving people. One of the things that I heard on yesterday as well was that my daddy showed us that he loved us. But he had a hard time telling us that he loved us. And men, sometimes you have to put down that, 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 that rough and that tough, tough uh, you know, ex- exterior and you have to tell your sons, your daughters that I love you. It's not enough just for you to just demonstrate it and show it. Sometimes they need to hear that. Listen, sometimes they need you to just just, just bring them in and give them a hug and say, I love you. Sometimes, Sometimes that's necessary. They need to hear that. A lot of times it's easy for us to tell our daughters that we love them, but you need to tell your son that you love them as well. And don't wait for them to tell you I love you and you say I love you too. In other words, start making that effort. It's your responsibility to reach out to them. It's your responsibility even after they're grown to reach out to them, to still look after them. But only then it's done in a different way. Because hopefully by then you've shown enough love, enough compassion, enough mercy that now they are beginning to lead and, and, and follow you by the respect they have for you. So, how is your conduct? How is your, how is your spirit? What kind of spirit are you exemplifying? Are you a man of faith? Can, 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 can you be trusted? Listen here, can, can they really depend upon you? You see, all of this stuff is important to children. And I, I, I just don't believe, there, there, there's hardly anything worse than a lion father. Dads, if you cannot do it, if you, don't, if you think you might not be able to do it, don't tell them you'll do it. It's best for you not to even say it. Just surprise them and show up. And in purity, we're to be this example. We're to set the example. We're to set the tone for the family. Men, we are the priest of the home. It's your responsibility. When things start going haywire, you ought to know about it. You ought to be observant enough to know when your children are in trouble. Don't wait for them to come to you, you go to them. And then thirdly, he has a responsibility to cultivate spiritual discipline in the family. It is the dad that should be teaching the children how to pray. It is the dad's responsibility to have home Bible study with the family. And even outside of the family, open it up to the community. I, I don't know, but you know, it, it seemed that our house was always the house where the kids came. And maybe because I put a basketball hoop out on the garage, you know, but we always had a yard full of kids. And I tried to demonstrate What a godly father looks like. What a father that cherishes and loves his children look like. And I don't know, I don't know how much of an impact that I made, but I know that I did my part. And that's all God is asking for you is that you do your part. There are thousands, if not millions, of fatherless children in this United States. There are some folk that have never even met their fathers. Don't even have a clue of what a father really looks like. All they know is mama. And understand that who is mama going to turn these boys over to when she can no longer raise them? Because the reality of it is, is that we start producing some really weak, milquetoast men that can't take anything. You wonder why the murder-suicide rate is up so high? Because you got a bunch of weak men that cannot deal with rejection, cannot deal with the answer, no. And I tell them all the time, no is a complete sentence. It's no and it ends there, no. But they can't take it. They, 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 they have not been taught how to pray and go before the Lord. And here's another thing. If your kids, after they become grown, have to call you to pray about anything, I mean, excuse me, about everything, then you made a mistake growing, coming up. Because there comes a time they ought to be able to go for God by themselves. They shouldn't have to come to you every time something goes wrong. You can go to God for yourself. Understand, I'm going to always be praying for you. But if you teach your children how to pray while they're young, if you train them up and teach them how to pray, if you teach them how to go to the scriptures and find the answers to their problem, you won't have to do it when they're grown. I'm wean, I wean my children. They, 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 I know. Y'all are already coming to me for money. I don't need you to come. Because tell the truth, listen, they will never get out of your pockets. Never. And they, listen, and they don't even have to ask. Understand this. They, you know, I, 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 a lot of times I have to make sure that I keep my money situation right. Because I don't know when something's going to fall out and I'm going to have to you know, step to the plate for them. And understand this, that it's not just them. I'm always looking for young people that I can invest in. It's a good thing to be able to invest in people. Because if you, have, if you can invest in people, that means you got something. If there's no investment that you can make, then that means somebody needs to invest in you. And Jesus put it like this, it's better to give than to receive. And I want to always be an investor. Always you're know, bringing people up and building people up. I want to always be, be, be challenging them that they can do better, that they can be better. And you do that through teaching our children how to pray. Teaching them how to study the word of God. How to meditate on God's word. Listen here. Teaching them how to worship God. Getting them to understand that worship is not just done on Sunday mornings. That worship is a daily thing that we do. Every day of the week we worship God. and How we live. And then Paul encourages him to exercise the gifts in which God has given them. Understand, brothers and sisters, that all of us have a gift that God has given us. It is your responsibility to identify the gift that God has given you. And then it's the father's job to also to help you cultivate that gift. Because really what that gift is designed to do is, is, is to glorify God, to lift God up. I don't know, but maybe you have the gift of singing. What do you do? Do you, do you, do you go to a, a music producer? Is that the first thing you think to do? Or do you get them somewhere where they can glorify God? Bring them into the church. Let them sing for the glory of God. All of us need to recognize and discover the gifts in which God has given us. And then we need to let the Holy Spirit develop that gift within us. That we might be able to use it for his glory. And then we use our gifts also to serve others. Teaching our kids that they don't live in this world by themselves. And just like somebody helped you get over, you need to help somebody else get over You need to start using what God has given you that you might be a blessing to someone else. How soon we forget where we come from when we've made it. And we're not willing to reach back and help nobody behind us. It's almost like we don't want to pull them up right alongside of us. As long as we got somebody beneath us, we seem to feel good about it. But my hope and my desire is that my sons achieve more than I have. That they climb to a higher height than their father has. Because that is one of the most greatest joy that we have is our children's success. Our children's accomplishments. That's what I want to see. And that's what I want to see for you as well. We do that through encouragement. We do that through blessing one another. We do that through praying for one another. We do that through loving one another. We do that by being committed to one another, showing that faithfulness of God to one another. That's how we do it. But most time, we're too busy backbiting, gossiping and, and, and just talking crazy. Don't you know that God has enough blessings for everybody? Listen, just because you did not get blessed with that, God has something for you as well. Too many times families are being torn apart because we're fighting within. We're being killed by friendly fire. One of the most crucial things in wartime is identifying who the enemy really is. And parents, your children are not the enemy. So stop treating them like that. There's a lyrics to a song that goes, that parents just don't understand. And understand, parents, you probably will never understand their language. But understand that there is a love language that supersedes any language that we, barriers that we have. It is the language of love. It is the language that will allow us to get over petty differences. And my my, 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 my petty, di- uh, you know, thing was is that I thought my sons were supposed to be mini-me. And I had to realize that they're not me. My daughters are not me. They are going to do things their own way. And we are to provide guidance to them. But just because they don't meet your expectation don't mean that they're wrong. There are some times that as parents we're gonna have to let them bump their heads. There's gonna be some time that they're gonna run into brick walls. It ain't gonna be unto death, but they're gonna hurt, it's gonna hurt. They need to learn from situations and circumstances like this. But we as fathers, as parents, need to always be ready to pick them up. And let them know that you still have value. I know you suffered some loss, but you still have value. Because the whole objective is for them to finish the race. Yeah. And it takes us encouraging them. It takes us loving them. Let them know that you can finish this race. The devil defeat you. You can finish this race because that's what it is. It's a race. I'm gonna go to my seat after I tell you this story about a runner called Derek Gretman. Derek Gretman was an Olympic sprinter. He ran the 400 meter. That's a little over four football fields. And one day, as Derek was running in a race, he was running the race of his life. His breathing was impeccable, his stride was unbroken. But just as Derek got to the back end of the race, he blew out his Achilles tendon. And I've never had it before, but I understand there's a very painful injury. It's like being hit in your Achilles with a sledgehammer. And he fell to his knees. And one by one, the runners passed him. The winner had been already declared. All of the uh, the, the, the racers had passed him up and had finished the course. And here he is lying on... The canvas in pain. He's been broken. They bring out the stretchers to cart him off the, off the field. And just as he sees the stretchers there, he hops to the one good leg he has. And he begins to hop on one leg that he might finish the race. And when they asked him, why did you get up? Why did you continue to run? He said, because my daddy was in the stand. And my daddy was watching. So I had to finish the race. And lo and behold, out of the stand came his dad. And both of them came across the finish line at the same time. Understand, you may be broken. You may be down. You may be out. But understand, your daddy is watching. It's just something that pleases children when they see daddy in the stands. When they know that daddy is watching. They're always trying to impress daddy. Let daddy know that, hey, I got this, I can do this, I can finish this race. Yeah, I know I've been knocked down, but I can finish the race. And it's the same way with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was beaten. He was bloody, he was bruised, he was broken. But he knew his father was watching. And yes, he marched up on Calvary's hill. He limped all the way up Calvary's hill. Beaten and bruised and broken. Why? Because he knew that his daddy was watching. He said, I didn't come into this world to do my own will, but I came to do the will of my father. My daddy watching me. They nailed him to this cross. Nailed him in his feet. Put a crown of thorns on his head. His daddy is still watching. Until they poured out all of sins of the humanity on him. And he uttered these words. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But understand that once that had taken place, he realized that his daddy was still watching. For he died. He said, "Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit." He gave up the ghost and died. Was buried on the third and rose on the third day with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. His daddy's been watching. And understand, I don't care what you're going through. I don't know what what, what, what circumstances you're up against. Daddy is still watching. Your heavenly father is watching what you're going through. And he will never, ever let you down. Yes, he's making intercession for us right now. He's praying for us. That's what good fathers do. He's praying for us. And he's coming back to receive us unto himself. A daddy's, a men's investment. A man's investment. Invest into the lives of young people. Let them know that you love them. That you're here for them. It's an investment. It's going to cost you something. But it's all right. Because eventually we're going to reap the dividends of our investment. We're going to reap it. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open.